Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and on Steelers.com. We are a little over a week away from the new NFL League year kicking off next Wednesday, March 16th, the official start of the 2022 NFL season. Before you can go out and make the splash and free agency that everybody wants to if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers or before you can get into that Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes as a fan and just see where he ends up landing, you got to take care of your own stuff. You got to mm-hmm. take care of your in-the-house problems. So NFL.com, shout-outs to that website for making this super easy and putting everybody in a nice group for me here. But they listed... Not just for the Steelers, for every single team in the NFL. Everybody who is either retired, will become unstricted free agents when the new league year begins on Wednesday, March 16th, or have already been released or traded away. So it's losses slash expected losses for all 32 teams in the NFL. When it comes to the Steelers, here's the list. Quarterback Josh Dobbs. Quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, obviously retired. Running back Kalen Balazs. Three wide receivers, Ray-Ray McLeod, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, tight end Eric Ebron. Offensive tackle, Chukwuma Okorafor. Offensive guard, Trey Turner. Two cornerbacks, Akello Witherspoon and Joe Hayden. And two safeties, Terrell Edmonds and Miles Killebrew. Just right off the top of your head, who's the most important guy on that list that you would bring back? Who's the one that you look at and you say, have to, have to, have to have him. Have to bring him back. Can't go on without him into next season. It's just funny how Ben Roethlisberger's on that list. Well, they, they said anybody retired, too, is on the list. So it's just people that you're losing in the 2022 season. This is tough, because there's not one name that stands out to you, right? Well, because you there, look at uh, Joe Hayden's uh, the most talented okay, one, so, but I just don't think it works. Like, the money and the So term. I think it's not on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's somewhere defensive, and I think you got to say it's going to be Witherspoon, Hayden, Edmonds. I think Edmonds is the most important one yeah. to bring back because it's, A, more realistic than Joe Hayden. It's cheaper than Joe Hayden. He's younger than Joe Hayden. And, B, I think because you're going to lose Joe Hayden, let's not lose anybody else from the secondary. So Edmonds is the most important. Anybody as a starter. Yeah, so Edmonds is the most important. But I would also bring back Witherspoon and Killebrew as sure. well. Yeah, just yeah, to continue yeah. that depth. Yeah. Because, A, I think Killebrew, I think you can get by with a steal. I mean, that guy's just a special teams guy. I don't think there will be, like, a big market. Mm, and I don't yeah. know if there's going to be a big market for Witherspoon either, except for the fact that he really turned it on toward the end of the season. Well, but yeah. People, I don't know if he did it enough so that it gained the attention of national media. Right, but you it definitely gained the attention of, of people in Pittsburgh. You, you don't know if he got, like the heads to turn around the league in his last couple weeks as much as he did here. So you right. just don't know if people are going to be Well, because everyone on here is watching him. So we know that everyone's heads are going to be turned because we're watching that kid. And he was traded earlier in the year from Seattle yeah. and really couldn't find his way onto the field for a little bit here in Pittsburgh until he had those big interceptions late in the year and his coming out party. But... Uh, just I think for the it has to be argument, one of those secondary guys. Yeah, and I think I don't know which one, but I kind of agree with you in, in the fact that it has to be Edmonds because Hayden is less likely, and between the other three, Killebrew, uh, Witherspoon, and Edmonds, he is the most veteran experience between the three. Yeah, and it really does pain me to see Joe Hayden on that list, and yeah, it really does. have to say, well, it's Edmonds solely because Hayden just doesn't seem very realistic to me. I'd love to see Joe Hayden come back. You know, I, I think that did he 
take somewhat of a step back this year, yes. He's getting older. He's going to lose a step. That position demands being in peak physical condition to play. And he's still in really great shape, but he's going to lose some of that speed. That's just natural. It's the first thing that goes for athletes when they age. But I think he really is a football-savvy guy. I think he's really mm-hmm. high football IQ that he can take good angles and he can give cushion when he needs to. And he can kind of age somewhat gracefully at a position that sure. is really tough to age gracefully at. I don't so, remember when it happened, but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Over the offseason last year, there was a report by someone national saying, and I think it was rap reports, someone like that saying, Joe Hayden unlikely to return to the Steelers, yeah. and Hayden quote tweeted that tweet and saying, "I respectfully disagree." Yeah, and so I think it's possible. Like he'll say to himself, "I like being in Pittsburgh. I want to stay in Pittsburgh." So, you know, if if there are lesser teams out there that are offering me more money, would it be really best for me to go to that team? The problem with that scenario, though, is a. Let's see how Mrs. Hayden feels about that. Mm. And, and Agent Hayden, whatever his agent thinks is best for him. I mean, I get that agent he wants to stay Hayden. in Pittsburgh, but, like, agent's going to get in his ear and be like, mm-hmm. Joe, I don't want to have this conversation with you, man, but your time is numbered in this league. I really think it's in our best interest to try to cash in as much as we possibly can mm-hmm. here. And, B, you said, would I really go to a lesser team for more money? I find Joe Hayden kind of cut from the cloth of, a really good contender is going to overpay for him. You think so? Because they need a second mm. cornerback. And he would be a great so there second you go. cornerback. That would definitely get, I unfortunately, feel like that's, that, would, that would take Joe out of Pittsburgh. That's the market I think he's going to find himself in because, say, a team has a really good number one corner and there's a drop off in their number two playoff team last year. They definitely need help in their secondary and they have a lot of cap space. I could totally see a team overpaying just to try to solidify that spot. <clears throat> Cincinnati. <clears throat> sorry. You're right? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I don't know what happened. came over me. But they have a ton of cap space in Cincinnati, and more than the Steelers do. And this is the time for them to overpay, right? Like, And, and there's also rumors. We mentioned Ryan Jensen in the Steelers in an earlier episode. There's rumors that the Bengals are going to break the bank for him, offer him something around $39, $40 million over three years for him to play in Cincinnati with a lot of guaranteed money up front. I mean, that's what I worry about with Joe Hayden, and I'm just using Cincinnati as kind of an example. But a team that is desperate and needs pieces just to get over that final hump will just throw as much money as they can to win in a two-, three-year window. And Cincinnati fits that mold, but there's other teams out there that fit that mold too. So with Joe, I get worried that that whole, well, would I go to a lesser team for more money won't factor in because it might end up being I'm going to a better team for more for money. For more money. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. So I worry that that could happen. And again, but I do think— you really think there's a team out there that looks at Joe Hayden and says, despite his age, we need to make sure this guy's on our team? Not as a number one. That's why I think it has to be— we need to have a number two that's almost as good as a number one yeah. and a veteran and someone that's just going to add a lot of stability to this back end for us. And I don't mean to be hard. I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from Joe, but, I mean, let's be honest. He's, he's over the hump, right? He's over the 30-year hump. But yeah, we I mean, think he's, he's, he's on the downhill of his yeah. career. But he's not doing horribly. No, that's why I think a team would overpay for yeah. him. It's because they they look and say, hey, I can get two years of, of Joe Hayden, and they might also be saying, Come playoff time, come wild card round, maybe he gets a little fountain of youth going because he realizes this is my last good chance to do Look something. Look at what the Rams did with Eric Weddle. 
Great point. I mean, the guy was on a beach in in Cancun sure. for half the season. Then he just rolled in and started playing. Effective, Got a ring. Started playing effective football too. I mean, ruptured he, his pack. Do you see that picture? Yeah, disgusting. That was disgusting. But got the ring. You think he'll? Uh, Come out of retirement again after rupturing that pack. I think he said he's done. Right? Yeah, he's done. I mean, if 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 you had any question, a ruptured pack <laughs> while you look at the Super Bowl ring on your finger. I mean, how do you tell your wife that you're coming back? She'd be like, "You literally broke your chest and you have the ring. There's nothing more for you to do." But yeah, I, I would see Joe Hayden maybe seeing that kind of a route as attractive as I can be second fiddle to a really good defense and I can just bring my expertise into my own specific skill set to help them try to get over the hump and win a Super Bowl. So I, I worry that that's why Joe Hayden will walk away, whereas Terrell Edmonds, the guy that I said you definitely have to bring back, no questions asked, mm-hmm. even if you let him get to the free agency market, I don't think his market's going to be as loud as a Joe Hayden. Not to say that he's not got more... Long-term potential to give than Joe Hayden does, but teams are just going to look at Joe Hayden and say, this guy can help me win right now for the next two years. Teams are going to look at Terrell Edmonds and be like, he's going to stay healthy and he's going to be on the field, but how effective is he really going to be? So I don't think the market's going to be too crazy for Edmonds. I think you're going to have to pay him if you're the Steelers, but I'd be surprised. you'll be surprised that I think the figure they end up landing with Edmonds. I think it'll be a very team-friendly deal just basically because he's been healthy but he hasn't made a lot of plays in his career in Pittsburgh, and I think that's going to help drive his price down locally and really make it easy for the Steelers to work out mm-hmm. a, a deal that doesn't hurt them at all as far as the money they and have And I think that's get. what they're trying to do. That's at the top of their priority list is kind of not damage or not not hinder their chances of, of getting the guy that they really want. Right, if they're if they're gonna have to overpay to keep Joe, I don't think they're going to be willing to do that if that takes away money for another potential uh, player to be brought in. Yeah, I mean, you got to look into the future and realize that you got to pay Minka soon too. So, right. Like, just yeah. because you have all this cap this year, you don't you have to pay Najee to... after his rookie year. That's a couple years. You're gonna have to be. Road. You're gonna have to pay Pat Fryermuth after his rookie year. After you, his rookie you're deal. Have to sorry. Make a decision on the two receivers, Claypool and Johnson. Yeah, for sure. As well. It's not like you have to spend all this money. ASAP in this free agency period. Mm-hmm. Like, just because you have more cap than you ever but had here's doesn't the thing mean you have to use it. That's what the Steelers fans are looking to do. It's to spend they're it saying, all. They want to spend it all. They're saying, okay, we have the most cap space we've ever had. We have no quarterback. What are we doing here? It seems like the writing's on the wall, but it's really not. This doesn't, this doesn't have to be a, a different kind of Steelers approach to an offseason. Now, as far as the guy on this list that I think is the most for sure easy to just walk away, it's Eric Ebron, right? I, I don't. Mean, I. You have to listen for because not I'm only because not only Eric Ebron is not the number one tight end anymore because of Fryermuth. I'd rather have Gentry on the field than him. I I'd would rather say, have Raider on the field. Well, that's than fair. Him. I'd say it's a tie between Belage and Ebron. See, the only reason I say not Belage, even though I think he is for sure gone and they'll go another route as far as the backup is concerned, they desperately need veteran depth at running back. I've been saying that sure, all Sure, but they season. clearly didn't like what they got out no, of Belage because we barely saw him. They didn't, but as far as where he lands on the depth chart, right now he'd still be third if they brought him back, and Iran, I think, would be fourth if they brought him back. So, And also... I feel like it's more important to have the depth at the running back position veteran-wise than to have the veteran at the tight end spot. I think you're good with the tight ends you have with Gentry and uh, Fryermuth being your top two guys and then Radar be- Raider being the third guy.
I think that's a yeah, really good. Move. No, I, I I agree. Just who knows what of, Ebron's going to command money wise? Because he's got a name and he's got a resume with touchdowns on it. Yeah, and although but, he stunk last year and his price and he, will go he, down. He, he stunk toward the end of 2020 too. I still think he'll command a couple million dollars, and teams will look at his potential and and still buy. Teams him. either have a tight end or they don't. That's and how the tight ends kind of work. I bet would overpay for Ebron. That's how. That's kind of how the market for tight ends works. So I can. I can see that. And I think that's kind of what the Steelers did when they brought in Ebron. They were saying to themselves, I don't really... What a great signing that was, I thought, at least. What, what we thought it was be, yeah. I mean, we were we were saying to ourselves, well, we don't really know. Was it Raider or Gentry who was on the team at that point? I think it was Gentry. I it think was they just one of the Gentry. Team. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you barely had Gentry, and you love McDonald. He wasn't giving you as much. Ibrahim was still in Happy Valley, playing sure. in college. So, the Ebron thing made sense, because... You really didn't have one tight, tight end. end. Yeah. Because McDonald, you're right. He was okay, but you wanted that modern tight end who's more mm-hmm. of a pass catcher than anything and a weapon in the passing game. And, and he, he really Ebron only gave that. you one play, right? Yeah, that, that Tampa touch, Bay stiff arm? Oh, the McDonald play, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, Ebron gave you a few at the beginning of the year. Well, and, that's what I meant, that McDonald really gave you one, yeah. one, sh- one showing of I can be this physical pass catcher. Which you give us one showing. Right. A and shooting it's star, three it's years. not actually yeah. what's going to happen. Whereas Ebron had moments where he looked like, yeah, this guy well, looks like had, the guy I, he played with Andrew Luck in I a couple years ago. he had what? That, that one season with Luck, he had 18 touchdowns? Yeah, I 16 mean, touchdowns? he really has all of the skill set and the tools. But he got hurt this year, and that really caused him to lose his spot to Fryermuth, who really had a coming out party. But before he got hurt, I mean, Ebron... People kind of forget about this, I think, because of the injury, Fryermuth emerging, pushing him down the depth chart, and the receivers dropping everything under the sun. But Ebron had a lot of trouble with drops, too. I mean, oh, and one of I the think, biggest culprits. I think Ebron, in 2020 especially, was the second biggest culprit behind Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I mean, people forget that about him. Like, he was really, really. He had a big time case of the dropsies. And I don't think you've seen that from Fryermuth, at least yet. At least yet. No, there's young. only one play where you can kind of point to and say, he dropped it, and that was the Minnesota, the potential game winner. But that's a— That was a hell of a play from Harrison Smith. I right. mean, just absolutely closed in on him perfectly. We said in the moment then, you like the response from Fryermuth. It wasn't It wasn't just, okay, I didn't get, it, it was clear— I should have caught that pass. It was clear regret, right? Everybody him, that was a really good play from the defense. That happens in the NFL. Even Ben came out after and said, you know, other guys make great plays sometimes, and— just happens. He was the one that was like, "No, I need to make the catch." This is a this no. is the response that you like to see out of a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah, he's like, "No, it's, it's the yes. mature thing." This Smith making a great mm-hmm. play. I should have made a great play. I should have made the catch. It has nothing to do with his ego saying, "I'm I'm great. I'm the best there ever was." It's just he just believes in himself. Yeah. He believes in his talent, which is exactly what you want from your tight end. So I think Ebron's the easiest one to cut. I think he's the one that you walk away from. That three group of wide receivers though is really interesting to me because you got to bring between back between Ray one Ray James three, right? and Juju. Yeah, you have to bring back one of those three. You can't just roll into this season with Deontay and Chase Claypool unless you're planning on signing a wide receiver and drafting a wide receiver. But I don't think they're planning on doing both. I think it's one or the mm. other. And I think the most likely name to return is Ray Ray. Well, he'd probably be the easiest one, right? right. James has expressed his interest to not come. Juju's going to try to get as much market. money as possible. Yeah. Well, then we'll see how that market shakes out. I think Ray Ray is just one that they can easily get a deal done with because, A, he knows he's going to have a good role as a punt returner no matter what here. 
But also he's going to look outside and be like, do you think anybody else would really use me as much as the Steelers used me? I mean, the Steelers used Ray Ray McLeod to the point where people were speaking into microphones questioning why he was getting so many targets. Mm-hmm. He had a big role in the Steelers' offense and one that might become even bigger if Juju and James Washington walk oh, yeah. away. You're so, going from the guy entering as the fifth number receiver to, to the potentially third? the third before the draft starts or another mm-hmm. free agent gets signed. So I think he's the easy one that you sign. He's cheapest out of both of them. He's got probably more interest in coming back than the other two. I think that's the deal that you can get done for sure. Lock him up. You got three on your roster. And then I would open up negotiations with Washington and Juju. I would try to bring two back if I could. I don't think that that's going to happen, though. I think James Washington is going to go because I just think he doesn't want to play here anymore. And I think Juju, even if the market isn't what he thinks it's going to be, I just find it hard to believe that he's going to do the whole song and dance again for the second year of saying goodbye and then walking back and being in Pittsburgh. I think no matter what the deal is, he'll take it on an outer market. Can we agree, though, if somehow they do manage to bring back two, we agree Ray Ray's at least one. I think Ray Ray's a lock. But the one we would rather see return between Washington and Juju is Juju. Is Juju. I want Juju back out of all three of these guys. Oh, yeah, More for than sure. anything. In fact, there's a part of me that would rather have Juju than Chase Claypool right now. Like, it's, he's that, I don't want to say good, but he's pretty important to this offense, and especially and know, a young quarterback like Mason, he's a really good safety blanket to have. Based on, I, I get the TikTok thing was a bad look for Juju, but we know that he, he's he's expressed at least whether it's real or not, he's expressed more so outwardly than Chase Claypool has about his his appreciation for Pittsburgh. I don't think you've ever seen him cheat you for effort on the field either. No. I agree. And you've never seen him celebrate a first down with mm. the clock winding down. I mean, I think he's got he more, has, he has he's the got football more game IQ. awareness than that. Yeah. And he might not have the greatest game awareness pregame when he's dancing on sure. logos, but he doesn't do that stuff in the game he's unless he sucked. gets into the end zone. And there was the Cleveland playoff game when they were down by 21 points, and he lined up on the wide side, on the opposite side against on the Cleveland sideline and did a little... We don't want to talk about that, though. That that totally ruins that was the point that I'm trying to make. That was in-game. But anyway, yeah, he's the guy that I think you definitely want to look to bring back if you're looking at the receivers in-house. Uh, again, though, I just feel like there's a little bit of pride that's going to take over for Juju, and it might be I'm going to go to a different team just because I don't want for the second year in a row to have basically said my goodbyes and then turn right back around and be like, I'm actually going to come back for another year. I don't think he wants to do that twice in a row. And not only that, how much can a young guy like himself, who's gotten, let's not be honest, he's been injury prone kind of lately. Sure. I mean, 2020, he got an, it dealt with an injury uh, that sidelined him. Last year, he was out for the majority, majority of the season yeah. until he came back for that playoff game against Kansas City Chiefs. So a guy who's been injury prone the past couple years and really has established himself as you're a slot receiver. You're a guy who lines up in the slot and gets the gritty yards in the middle of the field. How many one-year deals does that guy really want to keep taking? Because they're going to run out. And your body's going to start to turn on you mm-hmm. because you're getting older and you're you're very physical. You play a very physical brand of football, so you're that's going to your accelerate your yeah. body's deterioration <laughs> more and more. You want that three- or four-year deal signed because – it becomes not just about the money at that point, but you need some more secu- you need security now, Juju, as you're entering the the later prime of your career. You you want that four year deal that has like eighteen million dollars, twenty million dollars guaranteed, no matter what. Like you need to start finding security in your deal. So 
I worry that him signing another one-year deal after signing one with Pittsburgh last year is just off the table. He's going to have to look for multiple years. Uh, at least if I was his agent, that's what I'd be telling him. I'd be like, you, you can't just be keep living year to year. And Juju, it's not only year to year, it's not even a franchise tag. Like, we're not even collecting the most guaranteed money possible. You don't it's think just a one-year deal. You don't think there's any potential the Steelers saying to Juju, this is the reality, this is where your career is at right now, and... Giving him another one year and... No, I would say give him... Two or three years. A two or three year, but at a little bit of a discounted rate and saying this is what we believe that we can work out with you. If you want to look elsewhere, that's fine, but we think this is in your best interest so you're not just on these one-year deals anymore. Now, the interesting thing about receivers, and it's kind of been off my radar because there's so many other stuff they have to address in a draft class, but say they do let Juju walk and James Washington walk and they only bring back Ray Ray McLeod. This receiving class has become so deep as far as the draft is concerned and who's just an absolute Picasso when it comes to picking mid-round receivers? Hmm. I think Is Colbert, Kevin Colbert can get a really yeah. good player in a third if they get a fourth-round pick in compensatory, right. a fifth. I think they can find a really solid receiver in those mid-rounds. I mean, hell, Chris, I mean, Ola- do you think this- Chris Olave ran a 4.39 in the combine, and that was like the eighth fastest time mm-hmm. from the receiving court. Oh, there were two guys who— breached the top five ever this year. It's insane. There's so much speed. There's a lot of talent. It's a really deep receiving class. Do you think that there's a potential for something like a Pat Frymouth last year where you went with the you went with sorry, right, right. You went with Najee in the first round and you thought, okay, that that makes it obvious. You gotta go O line here in the second. Not so fast. Do you think if they get the guy that they want, whether it's defensive lineman or offensive lineman in the first round, they could go out. But then there's there's a guy that Colbert Colbert's attention Olave's was there or something. Something like that. Do you think there's a potential for that? Where yeah, I do. In the second round, I do. As high as the second round, you go with that receiver. I do. Yeah. I would maybe probably hope that they would go offensive line, defensive line, and then vice versa. You know, whatever you tick first, you take the other second. Right. But I also have to factor in like maybe the offensive linemen that are there in the second round just aren't that good. Kind of like what Colbert saw last year. And he knows that in the third round there's going to be offensive linemen there that he can take. But, hey, this guy from Ohio State is really, really good at right. receiving. If you don't get the guy you really want in the first round, there's no reason to reach for a guy in the second when there's someone else in a different position who you are you have a much, more, a much higher grade on. I think that heading into this offseason, I thought no way in hell they draft a wide receiver they need more. I think it's more and more likely after, by the minute. After looking at this list and seeing— Not only just looking at yeah. this list, looking at the class of wide yeah, receivers. Right. I don't know if you really want to pass up on one of those guys, especially when Chase and Deontay are just kind of battling out for who can be a number two. Like, they're not even looking at, like, number one receivers right now. So bring another thoroughbred horse into the stable. See if he can be that guy that gets out in front of both of them. And then all of a sudden, it all falls into place, and you've got a really And then you're okay court. with losing potentially both James Washington and Andrew Juju. And then not only that, you're okay with losing one of Deontay or Chase right. Claypool in a couple already, years. If this guy can be number one, this guy, and then Deontay, Chase, whoever is left is your number you get two. get signed, yeah. and then the other guy, I'm sorry, we, just, we can't afford you. So I think drafting a wide receiver becomes more and more likely. Finally, you got two offensive linemen on this list. you got Chooks, and you got Trey Turner. I would be okay with both of them not coming back, but I think 
Trey Turner is someone that you just let walk. I think that it was a good experiment. I think definitely a good idea from Kevin Colbert to kick the tires on this guy, former pro bowler, coming off of a bad injury last year. You hope he can kind of recapture some of his prime form in a new place with Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback. Just wasn't ever to really capture that. We learned it's harder to come back from injury than just saying you're going to do it. Especially when you're older. Like, mm-hmm. especially when you're a veteran. He's been in the league for almost 10 years now. Those injuries become harder and harder to come back from. I mean, when you're Joe Burrow and you're 23 years old and you tear your ACL, you can come back from that like Superman. I mean, Devin Bush, kind of the same thing, although we didn't really see that this year. We're hoping to see better in 2022 from him. But you're able to recover from those injuries when you're younger, whereas Trey Turner, that knee has had so much wear and tear on it already before it even got injured completely that it's just tough to rehab back from that when you're at that advanced age of your career. Mm-hmm. I just think the Trey Turner experiment was the smart move to do in the offseason because you needed that veteran on that line, especially when you kind of got blindsided by the Dave DeCastro retirement, or still kind of not retirement because he still has we not have no idea. official, but retirement, he's gone. You're scrambling, you bring in Trey Turner. I liked that move back then. Every move you make isn't going to work, though, and I just feel like that one didn't work, and I don't think it deserves a second chance. I think that's a guy that you move on from. And again, Chooks, the other guy, I would move on from him too if I could. I just don't see any option of moving on from a guy like Chooks because even if you were able to go out and get a tackle in the draft that you like better than him or you get a tackle in free agency that you like better than him, just keep adding, keep that depth there. And Chooks could end up becoming a really good number six offensive lineman at at some point. So I don't think he's going to be really expensive I think you can get him on a one-year, two-year deal for a pretty affordable price. The market for Chukwumu Akwarafor I don't see being that mm. great. So I would definitely try to bring back Chukes out of those two, and I'd, I'd let Trey walk. I'd let Trey walk. However, I think you're kind of just forced to bring back Chukes, just given the depth and the state of your offensive line. It's not so oh, I want to re- I really want to bring back Witherspoon and Killebrew because of what I saw from them toward the end of the season. It's not like that. It's a completely different scenario, but it's still, I think, a piece that you need to retain. I agree with that. I just feel like you're kind of you're forcing your hand. Sure. And think about what Colbert said last year. What was his biggest regret in the offseason? Not getting a second, second veteran, offensive, veteran lineman. offensive lineman. Yep. So I know Chooks isn't really getting a veteran offensive lineman per se. But at least you have someone. Familiar with your system. Uh-huh. And, yeah, you're going to just keep having that depth, and you're right. going to create more competition in your camp. And right. he already—you know what? Colbert already gave a little vote of confidence to Zach Banner as well in his uh, press conferences mm-hmm. during the Combine, saying, you know, Zach's going to come back, and he's going to have a shot to compete. So I think he's kind of taking last year under consideration, oh, I didn't get enough linemen last year. He's going to stockpile that lineman room this year. So I think Chooks is a pretty safe bet to be coming back on a pretty affordable mm-hmm. deal. Trey Turner, if you were three years younger, I'd probably be saying the same exact thing. But I just I just think it's a little bit past your prime now. And that's not to say he's going to retire. I bet he got, he does end up somewhere. Sure. But I just don't see it being in Pittsburgh. I don't I think, don't think do there's either. a spot for him here. Yeah. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Man, free agency is going to explode come next Wednesday. So... Keep up the anticipation. Things are going to be getting hot and heavy in the NFL world in just a week's time, and we will be here to break it all down for you as we always are. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opperman. We'll talk to you next time on the Steelers Standard.